everyone, before we get to the episode, I just want to let you guys know I have a Kickstarter running for Second Shift 13. That's Second Shift Dragon's Skull. It's going to be running until May 1st, so make sure you uh, go to my social media. I have the links there on all of my bios, my profiles, or you could simply search kickstarter.com uh, Second Shift. That is 2-N-D-S-H-I-F-T. So check that out. We duly appreciate that since, you know, the podcast's free and all that, so... How you back us is by backing the Kickstarters. All right, on to the episode. Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster, a managing partner at Invader Comics and the writer of the comics Kadoja, Three Protectors, and Animals. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift, Wanders of Melisanda, and the upcoming project Paradise Hills. Yeah, and here we are. We did it again. If I host, we're in the same room. That's how we do things, right? But it, it actually so happens that I'm down here in uh, on Scott's home turf this time. And so, uh, yeah, we were able to kind of coordinate stuff. And I am in the almighty Scott Lost Comics room. And uh, we are surrounded by comics. We are surrounded by comic vibes. And we are throwing back some beers, man. Why don't you, why don't you tell the party people what we're drinking? Well, I happen to stop by. So Trader Joe's has been kind of stagnant on the new stuff that they're having over there yeah so i was like you know what let me go to bevmo i was near one and i wanted to grab something that i really love and i never see this at bevmo it's not one of those places uh that carries it and it's from north coast brewing company it is prankster it's a belgian style golden ale and it is one of my favorite beers of all time and it is an ABV of 7.6 so i grabbed a four pack so me and keith are both uh drinking these bad boys right now yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I have not had it in a long time. This is one of those man cannot stand in the same river twice moments because the last time I had this beer was years ago. I did not like it. Oh, but, really? Yeah, I oh, did not like it because it was, it was a little too fancy for me. Mm. Yeah, at the time I was just like, well, no, I drink Sapporo and Red Stripe and El Presidente and, you know, basically loggers, loggers. around the world. Yeah. Um, and I loved those loggers, but, you know, I'm a different person now. And so, yeah, this is super good. It's either my favorite or my second favorite golden to the madam, which I think is amazing. Right. So, yeah, man, this is right up there. Freaking great. And I appreciate I appreciate the brew. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to have it. Uh, like you, I haven't had it in quite some time. I think it's been at least four or five years since I've had it, mm. which is a substantial amount of time for one of my favorite beers. So yeah. uh, glad I grabbed the, the four-pack yeah. of it. Yeah, rock on, rock on. All right, so hey, here we are. We're in person. We're doing our, we're, we're doing our damn dang. And uh, what's the first thing that you did this week that you want to talk about? Number one is the Kickstarter has launched. So um, I'm sure it's right there in the intro, but uh, check that out. Check out uh, Second Shift, that's 2-N-D-S-H-I-F-T, on kickstarter.com. I would truly appreciate that. And if you follow me on social media, you could just click the link in my bios or my profiles. Um, it'll be there for you. So that is something that took up a great amount of my time this week. Like, launching Kickstarters really does consume me. I don't know how it is for you. It's very difficult for me to do much of anything else. And uh, so creating all of the... the um, basically icons, I guess, or, or um, mm. 
thumbnails basically of the packages and something new Kickstarter is doing is you can actually put a, a thumbnail on the tier itself. So if someone goes to the tier section, it actually gives you a little picture of what they're what they're getting. Mm. So that, that was pretty cool, but it did add time to creating the Kickstarter. So all of that consumed the majority of the week and um, yeah, here we are. That's That's the thing I'm doing. Dude, that's how Kickstarters are. You know, they... Uh, I, I'm I'm going to cheat a little bit because this is technically one of my things, but I'll just piggyback on yours, that I'm in that pre-prep right now for the Animals Kickstarter, which may or may not have launched by now. If it, if it hasn't launched by the time this airs, it's probably launching like tomorrow. Like it is, mm. it is right there. Um, and obviously this one's through Invader. So, you know, the requirements are slightly different. You know, I have to answer for other people, uh, to other people. So I'm doing stuff like that. But yeah, for me, like I spent so much time writing the script to the video rehearsing the script to the video, doing the video, editing the video, dropping all the the photos and pictures and things in the video. Um, so yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's just the pre-work. Before that, I was making all of the files, the interior pages, the interior pages without lettering, the covers, all of those things available to Mike and Kevin so that we can have everything ready to promote and drop on social media and all that stuff. And we haven't even, as as of recording this, we haven't even created the Kickstarter itself yet. So there's still a lot of pre-work to do. And then it starts, and then a different type of work is underway, which is what you're going through, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's always this, and we've, look, we've been around long enough to have a bunch of iterations of this. It's always this real-time analysis that you're trying to do, like, is what I'm doing working? Right. How am I comparing to previous Kickstarters? Mm-hmm. What's going better? What's going worse? If, if it's not going as well, do I think that there's, like, a macro thing that's going on? Is there a micro thing that I can manage? So, yeah, it's just right. a constant... Reevaluation. It's like it's like driving a. I would imagine this is how um, indie car racers talk about it, right? It's like this constant calibration, paying attention to the mildest, tiniest things, and seeing if they kind of affect your performance, and then just steering the ship and and trying to bring it on home, even though that home is five hundred miles away, or in your case, weeks and weeks and weeks away, as we're talking about this, man. So yeah, it's definitely that. Um, the comparison to previous Kickstarters is always going to be there for me, especially. And it's it's that day one. Day one is so integral to the rest of the Kickstarter. And this one started off very weird. Now, I'm not sure what exactly it is because it's like, okay, well, I have the same things that I would have on the previous Kickstarters. You know, mm-hmm. I have the description of the book and, and the series synopsis and what we're using the funds for. And then we have the covers and the inter- some interior art pages. And then I have the, you, you know, the tiers there, uh, you know, like visual elements for those tiers. So I'm like, okay, it's all there. And, and like I said, you have those added elements of those tiny thumbnails. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, right on. And the first day was bizarre. It was like, okay, 15 backers on the first day. That's underperforming for what I usually do. But I usually don't do them in April. Mm-hmm. Now, I usually try to capitalize on the time of year. So I usually actually have mine in March. And the reason why I do it in March is because... Christmas happens, right? So January is not very good. People are still recovering financially. Mm-hmm. For me, I think February, people are still starting to recover. And then you have Valentine's Day, if that's a thing for you. And then I was like, March is the perfect time because people have more than likely started to maybe get their refunds back from taxes and stuff like that. So they have a, a couple extra you know, coins in the pocket pocketbook there. And so... But the fact that I didn't have that third cover ready, I was like, I can't do it in March. It's not time. I can't. 
I had to learn from the previous Kickstarter that if you don't have that cover, it's hard to sell that tier. Mm-hmm. So I got the cover in, started in April. Strangely, that cover isn't moving as well as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Or previous, you know, covers like from the same caliber of artists. So mm-hmm. I'm like, man, is it is it the time of year? Is, is April a bad time? Mm-hmm. Now... We'll see by the end of the month if that's true or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something I'm looking at. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to, you know, launch in April anymore. That doesn't seem to be a good day, a uh, good time to do it. Um, but after the second day, you know, I'm up to like, so my my goal was 300, very easy. I got that within eight hours. Mm-hmm. So, yay, perfect, cool. Yep. Small print run, that's funded. All right, solid. Yeah. Anything after that? Well, it's not exactly gravy. There's like other elements to it. So for me, it's like I'm the artist. I don't need to get paid. Joaquin, the colorist, he's already paid. The the person that needs to get paid still is is Ed. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I don't need to get paid. Like mm-hmm. I get paid by having these books out here and basically whatever overflow there is from the Kickstarter, that's how I get paid. You know, it just goes into the savings account. But realistically, it's just me covering for the next issue. It's just like, yeah. okay, get the books printed get Ed paid and then save money for Joaquin for the next issue. Cause I just want to have that banked. Mm-hmm. And then after that, maybe I get paid, but then we're going to go straight into, um, um, you know, uh, not add ons. What is it? Uh, stretch goals. So yeah. you want to do the stretch goals, right? And so there's a couple of things I'm, I'm aiming at, but you know, I'm hoping I get there and, um, you know, so we're at like 980 something as, as of right now. Mm-hmm. So hopefully by the time you guys are listening to this, it's way higher than that. And, uh, you know, obviously we're hoping the making comics, uh, fan base comes in and helps out a bit. Yeah, man. No, I mean, that's, again, this is all, this is all just a natural course of Kickstarters. I, I believe that Kickstarters, every single one is its own unique animal. You know, I was, um, speaking of animal, yeah, (laughs) what a, what a great book that, that you all could check out. Um, no, I, I thought it was its own. Each one has its own DNA. Mm -hmm. And when I just did the Kadoja symphony of madness, number two, I believe it also started lower than number one, but when it was all said and done, it ended up very, very close to the number one number, which made me happy because you have this whole like issue one to issue two drop off, right? You know, and so I was I was kind of happy to see that, and I'm going to do this one more time when I kickstart issue number three, um, and then after that, I think we've talked about this before that there may not be an issue number four Kickstarter yeah, because I may go trade. straight to the trade and make four an option, right? Uh, a tier that you could just do instead of getting the trade for because, the single yeah, issue collector, yeah. totally. Because again, it's it's trades, trades, trades. That's what we've been talking about for years and years and years. Trades are the jam, right? So anyway, man, it's it's trying this. You know, hey, you sign up for doing this for a long time, and and what you're talking about is exactly why I sign up for 15 days of this every time I do it. Yes, just 15 days, just just 15 days. My heart, my heart will go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's a Celine Dion thing, right? Like right. 15 days allows my heart to go on because if I doubled that time, I don't know what I would do, man. I was, yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot of you know. I've been trying to pace myself as far as posting about it so often. It's like. Okay, I'll do it first thing in the morning. So if you get those early birds in there, they can see whatever I'm posting the new cover or, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's usually what I'm trying to do is like, okay, put the the new cover first thing in the morning and then let's see what else. Maybe throughout the day, I'll do one more post and it'll be like the the thumbnail of the image tier. It's like, oh, hey, this is what you can get for this much. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's it's a process. Um, I 
I actually was talking to someone about this. It is a, he's a well-known comic artist, and we're actually going to have him on next week. Um, yes. So I was talking to him about it, and he was actually giving me some pointers. And one of the things he was saying was, my thumbnails of the uh, of the tiers, he goes, it's too busy. The, the text is hard to read on the side. Just have your image and write below it. Mm-hmm. So if you actually look at my Kickstarter, it's different than how I used to have the tiers on the previous Kickstarters. And I thought that was a really great note, and it actually does look so much cleaner and uh, just easier to read. And I was like, man, that's a great note. So yeah. uh, something I'm going to take forward on to the next one. And that, that makes sense. And I think that's an important thing to just stick on for everyone who's listening just in general. A lot of what, so- what, what, what Scott, hey, hey, look, are we here already? We can't be here already. I'm only like half, half a bottle in, but I haven't eaten yet. So that's fair. Mm. Um, but I think... A lot of this stems from the fact that Kickstarter has made some changes. They've done some really cool things to people running, you know, for people running campaigns. And every time a little bit of technology changes, I think it's important for comic creators out there to understand how they can use that change and how they can maximize that change. You know, the the most obvious example to me in kind of like the big world of, say, music is Spotify. By Spotify existing, albums don't matter anymore. I mean, they matter to people like me. Right. I'm an album person. But in general, you can gear up for singles like people used to do in like 1958. That's the irony of it, right? People just can drop singles now. And and Spotify has made music very single-oriented again, right. as opposed to very album-oriented again, which the long-playing record gave us, cassettes continued, and CDs only amplified, because you could get 74 minutes worth of shit on a CD, so everybody jammed it forward, and right. you had no other way of doing it, so everybody, and then record companies got greedy, and they said, well... The only way you can get this one song is on a CD, asshole. Why don't you pay us 17 bucks for right. it? And then and the artist has to create other songs to yeah. go along with this one banger that right. they have. And yeah. Yeah, like you, to your point, it's just like, yeah, they can release a single, and that could be the one thing that they have. They have this great idea for a track. They release yep. it, throw it out into the world. They just make money off of it That's on Spotify, Apple exactly. Music, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, we don't have to wait for Psy's entire album to support Gangnam Style. Right. We yeah. can just enjoy Gangnam Style for what it is. Right. As we right? all do. As we all do, because right. it's amazing, right? Yeah. So, uh, so okay, but let's get to uh, to my first thing, right? So I have a few craft things that I'm hoping are kind of interesting that I want to double back on, I guess, because some things came back to me. So the first thing is that I had mentioned before that there's this, the second short story that I, that I completed as like a first, second, third draft, whatever you want to call it, The Woman. The Woman was the story that I referenced a few episodes ago where I said, I don't know when I'm going to want to thaw this out, but I'll know when I'm ready. And so I finally thawed it out. I finally took a look at it. I really like it. I really like it. In fact, I'm more satisfied with that short story than I am with The Party, which is the first short story that I completed this year. And so um, as a mini review... The big change that I wanted to take on for creative purposes, it was a great note and it made the story better, but it was also just the kind of creative challenge that I wanted to issue myself on a small level, which was to change it to first person. The first person change really worked because I let that thing sit for three, four weeks before touching it. And when I came back to it, it was fresh. 
I thought the first person totally worked. It even changed the tone of the story, which was cool. It gave it a very, I'm not going to say what kind of vibe, but it gave it a very different vibe by reading it as a first person narrator. And uh, yeah, I like it. So that one, that one with like, and I even did my final grammar pass the next day. It's ready to go. I'm actually going to submit that to magazines. So the second story I wrote is actually going to be the first story that I submit to magazines because I just need to, there's something about that first story still, man. You know, I don't know what it is. Um, And I'll, I'll reread that probably over the next week. Because one of the things I really want to do is sort of, mm, what's the word? It's like, I kind of want to clean out the closet here of the stories that I've been working on. I've been working on two short stories and a bunch of comics. And it's time for me to sort of run through all those things so that I can either write the next comic script I want to write and or get back to that second novel, which I have been writing. But anyway, so I just wanted to mention that like it, it was it was a cool thing. It was cool to kind of come back to it and to understand that 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 change to first person really worked. And um, yeah, I mean, again, if there's a lesson in there at all, it's just don't be afraid to change stuff. You know, in right. you know, in comics, obviously, ch- a change to first person doesn't matter as much because all it matters is maybe in the interiority, which comics shouldn't have that much of because this isn't the 1970s anymore. Right. Um, but uh, or also in dialogue, right? So anyway, I, yeah. I thought it was cool that I I kept it on the shelf long enough to be for it to feel fresh when I came back to it. And by it feeling fresh, I was able to approach it and be like, yeah, man, this is really, really good. I'm very satisfied with it. That's good. Yeah. Hey, yeah. that goes back to what we've been talking about for the last few weeks is giving your stuff some breathing room, you know, make sure, make sure you take that step away. You know, if it's, if you're writing something, if you're drawing something, if you give it a day or two, you come back to it and uh, see it for what it really is, you know, yeah. not, not being stuck in the moment. It's mm-hmm. really good. Okay. So you mentioning, that you want to kind of clean the closet out, right? Yeah. I, I'm kind of in the same mindset without realizing that's exactly what it is. Because oh, okay. I haven't been able to move on off of Second Shift 13 mm-hmm. until it's 100% wrapped. Yeah. Like, I've tried to go back to Paradise Hills. Like, I'll go back to it, I'll do something, and then I'll be like, yeah, that was cool. And then I'll go away from it, and then I can't get back to it because my brain is like, no, Second Shift 13 is not done. So the last thing that I have to do... so. All right, an option I used to have on the Kickstarters, which I'm taking out, and and I've I've talked to someone about it, uh, that that same artist that, mm-hmm. that's going to be on next week. Yeah, and I was like, hey, do you do this for your Kickstarter? Because this is the first time that I've not put I'll have your name in the back of the book. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I'm not adding it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you do that? Do you find that affects your numbers? Like, if you do it one way or the other, he goes, I've never done that. Yeah. He goes, I don't do that. And I was like, okay, because I don't want to do it anymore. And it's not because I don't want to support the backers and have their names in there. It's because I can't print until I get all of their names. And that can't happen until the very end of the Kickstarter. So, But what I need to do for this one is because another reason why I like doing it in March. This was something, a calculated thing I had done before was I have a month to get the books printed and back to me before free comic book day yep. on the first week of May. Yep. So the Kickstarter is running until May 1st. So what does that mean? I won't have the books on time for free comic book day. You will not. So what I'm going to do is complete the PDF and then send that to my printer and have him do uh, like 50 copies of the standard cover. Mm-hmm. And so that way I can have the book in hand on free comic book day and then do the rest of the order for the rest of the books from the Kickstarter. Yeah. So 
he told me that's not something he's done or ever does. Mm -hmm. So why do it? And I was like, I'm already on board. I didn't offer it on the Kickstarter. But also that was one thing that I noticed that was different from my previous Kickstarters. A lot of people would back that tier. Mm -hmm. It'd be like a $25 tier. You get like a Kickstarter exclusive, exclusive print and you get your name in the back. And that would be one of the tiers that would get picked up a lot. Mm -hmm. So that was something in the back of my mind, like, shit, should I put it back on there? And honestly, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. and, and again, not, not because I don't want those people's names in there, but it's just simply for this, the fact that I want the PDF done as fast as possible. And if I can get that book ready to roll before the Kickstarter is even done, then I'll be like, okay, cool. I can do a small, small print run and then have that ready. And then as soon as the Kickstarter is over, I can actually mail out whatever I haven't sold at free comic book day, I could mail out to the Kickstarter backers who did the basic tier. Mm -hmm. So it's just all about uh, getting ahead of the game yeah. and uh, what I can do to make that happen. Yeah. I, I haven't done that for a very long time. Mm. I did that. I'm trying to think when I did it, it was a while ago. Yeah. See, um, and that's, that's how I yeah. guess little it means to me because I didn't even notice you don't do it. Yeah. 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 I, I, I may have done it for like the first Kickstarter and my calculated gamble was I, I don't think people care. I, I think I think there was a period in time where people cared about that. Yeah. And now I think we are past that time personally. But hey, making comics podcast at gmail.com. Because if you out there I mean, I'm guessing that okay. I'm guessing that those of you who are, who are creators back Kickstarters. If those of you who are creators do not back Kickstarters, you should, <laughs> right? Like, Especially if you're, you yourself are going to be using them. Right. We, we are part of an industry and odds are we love comics and therefore we want to be part of this industry. And this, look, this goes for every industry, right? Like when, when I was in my novel classes, what was one of the first things my mentor said, go to bookstores, buy books, support books. You are writing novels. Right. Therefore, it's a great idea for you to support novels so that people know, publishers know that novels are a pretty good idea and hey, they just might pick up yours, right? So again, it's it's all part of the, the circle of life, right? Right. And and so, uh, so again, I'm guessing that a whole lot of people out there back Kickstarters, let us know, right? I, I would be fascinated to know how many people are like, I do really enjoy seeing my name in the back of a Kickstarter. I personally don't care, mm -hmm. but that's just me. And that's, that's one of the reasons you kind of take your thing and you, and you universalize it. And so far, yeah, it's been negligible from what I can tell. Mm. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Was that your second thing or did yeah, you my have a Yeah, my second thing was uh, doing actually doing the back matter for Second Shift 13. So it was um, like the front cover, interior cover was done already. But I finally dropped the art into the the credits of it all. And then I just arranged it from the issue, uh, issue 10. Mm -hmm. And it was just really minor changes that I had to do. And it all fit really nicely in there. And then I had to do the page count. It was like, okay, the interiors are 22 pages. You include the cover. That's another four. That's 26. So I have two more pages that I have to fill in. Okay, so we have uh, the letters page. That's mm -hmm. 27. And I had just one more sitting there. And I'm like, what the heck? What the heck else can I put? Mm -hmm. And so it was like, all right, well, I have the ad on the back cover. Like I, I have like a second ship wanderers ad that I do. And that's just on the back cover. So I just had one floating. And I was like, fuck it. Let me, let me go through my archives 
and see what I have in Second Shift 13. And I had four cover layouts that I was looking at and deciding which one I wanted to do. I was like, okay, well, that'll be in the back. That'll yeah. be so I just added a little something, you know, little decorative things. I wrote a little blurb on underneath it and I threw yeah. that in the middle of the page. And hey, there we go. So um, the back matter is pretty much done. I'm sent it over to Ed and Mike. And if you know they come back with anything, Ed had one correction and Mike hasn't gotten back to me as of yet, mm-hmm. but. I think we'll be good to go, and then I'll send that off to the printer. I made sure to contact my printer as well and asked about turnaround time. And I was like, hey, man, what's your turnaround time like? Can I get something before the end of the month? He goes, yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. Okay. So, yeah, we're good to go. That's good. I want to go I want to go galaxy brain here, right? Um, if you have, if you, a creator out there, have extra pages to fill in your book... Then I, then I would suggest doing the kind of stuff that Scott is doing right now. It's stuff that I have done in my books before. Um, and it's stuff that I would totally do and, and would even consider maybe adding some pages to the page count to do. Craft stuff. Because odds are, look, we get approached this way and did get approached like this before we even did the podcast, right? Where people would would come to us at tables and say like, well, how do I... How do I get into comics? How do I, how, this was an actual question at WonderCon. How do I write a comic script? And so I remember years and years and years ago, I would tell people, get, get a, get a trade paperback that has scripts in it. I learned how to write comic scripts by, I believe it was the Powers Who Killed Retro Girl deluxe trade paperback because Bendis loves putting scripts in the back of his books, Mm -hmm. loves it. And now you get to the point where, like, there are these things that are, like, absolute masterclasses in both script writing and comic making. And the one that I would rec- the one that I just recommended at WonderCon, and I think I recommended it to the person that I'm mentoring, is um, Marvel's, the uh, Alex Ross... Kurt Busiek. Kurt Busiek um, comic book. They made a, whatever you want to call it, like a director's cut of it. They reprinted the whole thing and they have the entire script. It's like, it's like a 64 page issue or something like that. It's so thick because it's the original comic. And then it's like page for page script, thumbnails, process notes. It's like ridiculous. Like you can, you can go from zero to knowing how to make a comic very well, just by getting the Marvel's master edition or whatever they're calling it. They they did it for all four issues. That's awesome. Yeah. So the reason I mentioned that though, is you can make your comic that thing too. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you're not going to drop the entire script in there, but if you have some extra pages, some extra space, Drop some craft stuff in there. It's a great way to be able to refer people to your comic instead of referring other people to it. Yeah. So anyway, just a thought to put out there and maybe a thought when it comes time for collected editions, anything like that. Like craft stuff is always a cool thing because generally if you make comics at some point, you're going to have people coming to you and asking you questions about the process of making comics. And it's very cool to be able to refer them to like your own books. Yeah. I have that with a few of my issues. Second shift five. Um, there's, it's from start to finish. It's Ed's script with a thumbnail that I drew right on top of it. I would print his script out and I would read along and I would draw thumbnails next to it. That was before we really figured out the comics method. You know, he wasn't doing, he was basically writing prose. Mm -hmm. So I would read it. And I would imagine it as I was reading it, and I'd draw the thumbnail. So I had just that, like, right on the top. 
And then right under it would be a whole bunch of other sketches and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then it was pencils to finishes on how it all happened, the whole process of it all. And I actually had someone uh, come to the table and go, this was really cool. Um, mm -hmm. He goes, I, he's like, I really love this issue. And he goes, and it was really cool to read the back matter, like how it's done. He goes, I never knew how it was done. It was cool to see your guys' process. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I have that in issue five. And then uh, issues 11 and 12, which are the Drawtober issues, I have my uh, single day images and then how I converted them into panels and arranged onto pages. Yeah. And, and as let's stop talking as a creator for a second. Let's talk as fans, as a fan. I love that shit. I love that shit. Um, Walt Simonson did it a lot. I believe for the second Ragnarok, the breaking of Helheim, is that oh, what it was okay. called? Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of like process things. Like every single issue had multiple thumbnails and cool stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Pencils, that man, mm -hmm. just the most killer stuff. And I'm guessing that most people listening like that too, because we're yeah. comic fans and we love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Art Adams, Instagram page is fantastic for that stuff because he'll, He'll put all of the thumbnails that he submits to Marvel for the covers, mm -hmm. and every single one of them are bangers. Yeah. Not one of them would you go, nah, not that one. Like every yeah. single one, you're just like, yeah, I'll take, yes, please do that, yeah, do, do that for my cover, do that thing, right? Yeah, and yeah. and so you get to see every single one of his thumbnails and which one was picked out of all of them, and you're kind of like. Yeah, there's no wrong choices here. Yeah. And then with each piece, he does, okay, here's the blue line, here's the grid, here's the pencil stage, here's me inking a little bit, more inks, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And then you get the finished finish product. And it's just, it's so cool. So if you yeah. guys aren't following Art Adams on Instagram, look him up. He's, his stuff is amazing, all that process stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's get to my second thing, right? Which is that I got I got notes back on not one of my comics, but two of them. Oh. And so I got notes back from, from my editor, Mike, on both Kadoja Symphony of Madness number three and Three Protectors Volume Two. And uh it was it was great to get those notes back. I mean I had I had overarching questions about one of those. I had an overarching actually an overarching question about Kadoja number three. Because Kadoja Symphony of Madness number three is is a fun word we like to uh, use called penultimate. It is the penultimate issue of this mega arc of Kadoja. So the final issue of Kadoja is going to be pretty fucking gonzo, mm. right? It's going to be a whole lot of action because that's how shit works generally when you get to the end of a four-page story or to the big end of a mega arc, right? You're going to have a whole lot of stuff going on. Right. And so my concern at the time was, is this set up a little too set up -y? Like, am I having enough stuff going on here yeah. um, for, for it to not just feel like setup? And I may have mentioned this previously, but I sort of countered that by dropping an idea that I had kept on the my idea shelf of like, that could be, this idea could have been an entire issue or arc mm -hmm. of Kadoja. And instead I was like, fuck it, I'm putting it right here. I'm just jamming it in right here because it's a cool idea and let's do it now. And if I want to come back to Kadoja in the future, I'll just challenge myself to come up with something even cooler, right? right like okay. it's, a, it's a bet on my future self. Um, so I, I feel that that worked well and that got good comments. Oh, good. Yeah. There yeah. You know. But, um, but what I wanted to mention is um, I, I made some notes on, on the most interesting changes that Mike recommended 
because I think there's some degree of use, universality there, right? So um, on Kadoja number three, I have I just have these no, these things that say changes of note because I wanted to share them on the podcast. So for Kadoja number three, changes of note, I had number one, I had characters acting calm in a tense moment, which brought high energy way down. There was a mm. tense action scene, but then I sort of plateaued it and and stymied it a little bit by bringing the energy down, even in the script. And so by getting that note, it reminded me to keep the energy nice and high right. through that scene. And then the second thing for Kadoja number three was that Mike had a killer idea for a panel angle um, in, in the final script. Because I wrote something, he was like, that's really cool. You know what would be cooler? This. Hmm. And, and I was like, fuck that is totally cooler right, <laughs> right? Yeah, like that yeah, is yeah. really really cool so i immediately just took his stuff dropped it into the script and okay. uh, and made it the script and then i'm just going to pass it on to the artist i was supposed to do it today but i'll do it tomorrow because he's been waiting on the script for a while now oh, okay. he's been like super patient so tony will be getting this uh you know tomorrow and uh, and hopefully he'll be excited about it and then three protectors number two you know, that's a lot of comic. That's 55, 60 pages, something like that. So, and some of Mike's notes were a little more like long form, like mm-hmm. I got to sit on them. Yeah. But the couple that I thought were super interesting was that um, one, you could sort of subgroup some of this stuff into what I would call unclear action writing. So I wasn't being specific enough in the action I was describing. Um, which I thought was pretty interesting, right? Like I was saying like this thing happens, but there's a degree of, I think, specificity that you want so that it's it's a very detailed version of that so the artist can get a much better idea of what they're actually supposed to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't want to have character A, and I'm not saying I did this, I'm just doing it for example purposes. You don't want to have kick, character A kicks character B's ass. Eh, that's a little too, you know, not, not specific, right? Mm. Not specific enough. Um, so you want to, like, demonstrate illustrate through words what's going on there right so that was thing number one and then thing number two was that i had actually had a panel or two where i put too many actions in Mm. it was like this thing happens and that thing happens and that thing happens and mike was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa." that's like that's three panels that's three things right yeah yeah yeah. you can't do that right so i mentioned that because we always learn we're all still learning right and um and i've been doing this for a long time and i still make those kind of mistakes right so um just a nice little reminder out there. Hopefully maybe one of those couple things is something that you're going to encounter in your own script or in your own story when you're reading someone else's script because you're drawing it and you can kind of call that out too. Yeah. So it was I mean, good. Yeah. It's not just in comics, man. I was just watching um, the last Jurassic World movie and there's a scene where two big ass like carnivore dinosaurs escape from their cages and a lot of people are not freaking out about it. And I'm like, why are those people so calm? Mm-hmm. Those giant-ass fucking dinosaurs that will eat them are yeah. now loose. Why aren't they reacting? And then, of course, someone gets eaten, and then they start reacting. And it's yeah. just like, guys, what the fuck? Like, yeah. that's not how people react. Yeah. One, there's people that are afraid of chihuahuas. So, yeah. like, if you see a fucking dinosaur that's as big as a house coming towards you, you're going to get the fuck out of the way. You're, yeah. you're running. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's not just in comics that that happens, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hollywood movies that get released to the public, it happens. Yeah, so when we did WonderCon, I basically tapped my fridge out. I just grabbed <laughs> every single beer and, uh, you know, seltzer, hard yeah. seltzer I had and brought it up. So, yeah, the North Coast was all that was left, but hey, I'm okay with it. My sure. fridge is also pretty tapped out, 
which is kind of wild because we sit here and, um, and I should be, uh, I mean, I'll be going back home tomorrow and waiting for me is a whole bunch of dope shit from Tavor. Oh yeah. I was gonna say your order probably came in. So guess what, my friend, I'm going to take one of those very, very special bottles and it's coming with us to Las Vegas Hell and we're yeah. going to, we're going to throw that down. I think it's another one of those like <laughs> monsters. It's oh, like good. a, it's like a 24 ounce, like yeah. 15% barrel aged bourbon or something like that. Yeah. Let's like get that. stupid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's, let's get stupider in my case. Right. <laughs> So let's get into our, our main topic, which the, the Jurassic Park or Jurassic Park 7 or Jurassic World Park or whatever yeah, fucking... It's like Jurassic World 3, yeah. the, the newest one. The electric boogaloo. Yeah, electric, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of a dinosaur that sounded like boogaloo. I was, I'm sure there is one. Yeah, Makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. <laughs> I would love to know. A di- I don't even want to look it up. I don't want to look it up. Right. I want to trust the listeners. Yeah. What dinosaur would rhyme with Boogaloo? And then we can just say it a couple episodes from now. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> um, okay, so it, it's this idea. And so one of the books that I've been um, listening to slash reading recently is a book called Blood, Sweat, and Chrome. Okay. And so Blood, Sweat, and Chrome is the story of Mad Max Fury Road. It's an oral history of Mad Max Fury Road, which is one of my favorite films, yeah. arguably of all time. It's fucking it's awesome. dope as fuck. And um, I, you know, the book was hyped as this thing of like check out kind of like the wild story of the movie that almost wasn't made um i do i don't think it was quite a wild story but the fact that you know the 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 wasn't made part almost wasn't made part does hold because we're talking about a movie that was like took 20 years to make and was essentially like completely canceled once and almost canceled a second time and then brought back to life just so it could be finished you know so pretty gonzo right yeah, i'm but, so glad they did oh man i man, that movie's so good but um so so george miller mentioned this idea and and it's something that we've we've heard before right we've heard before it's the idea of no small characters no small parts but to hear how George Miller took it to another level in Mad Max Fury Road. Like, the uh, Wild Boys? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it's it's like, that's a Duran Duran song, so it keeps throwing me off. War Boys. War Boys, yeah. Wild Boys is Duran Duran. Hmm. War Boys. Beer. That's what, <laughs> that's what happens, right? The War Boys. Um, a lot of those guys were stuntmen. And the, those stuntmen, some of which are on screen for a grand total of seconds in this film, worked with acting coaches to develop complete histories of their character, life stories wow. that they were going to bring to it. And like, you know, the the stuntmen are like, we had never had anything done like this before. Like, we're yeah. stuntmen, you know? So, so to have this level of detail... Now, they do say like, oh, it totally pays off in the script. And it's like, yeah, maybe... You know, right. like, I don't know if I really need to know a guy who, like, climbs on a car for three seconds and then falls off and dies. I don't know their, I don't know how them knowing their life story really made that climbing on the car that mean much more anything. riveting, right? Right. But, like, because we didn't get the backstory of them. Exactly. Yeah. But let's, but let's still stay with it because the important part, much like the Philadelphia 76ers, is the process, right? It's, it's the process behind this. It's the no small characters idea. Your primary characters are easy to put work into. To some extent, your secondary characters are easy to put work into as well. But some people forget secondary characters. And tertiary characters can be even harder. You know, so I don't know how long we're going to take to talk about this. But 
it's still an important thing to make a main topic, even if we're only talking about it for a few minutes, because, you know, there, there's an adage that I, I look, I've said this, it was one of those great things that like you kind of say casually. And then when like a novel instructor says it, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. That's the thing I say, but yeah, totally. it's, it's this thing. I do of, it all the time. I'm like, Hey, I, that's, that's how I, that's my philosophy. I, I thought that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not stupid. You're stupid. You know? So, um, <laughs> fucking a, I'm not a complete idiot. I'm not a complete idiot. Um, Every character, just remember this, every character thinks they're the lead character of your story. Right. So treat that appropriately. You know, like if if some part of your story involves a person going to the Circle K and and ringing up a whatever they call their big gulp, maybe they call it a big gulp, a big old 32 ounce soda that's probably a dollar. Right. And then they decide to be like just your typical, you know, overblown, dramatic, you know, making funny quotes and quips and that kind of thing. Like you don't want that in your comic, even though those people really exist. It's just it's just a matter of understanding what they are coming to the scene with. And that one thing that those characters are not here for is to serve as puppets, cardboard cutouts or anything else that is simply there to aid both the primary and secondary characters. Yeah. I have a good example of that in the second shift. It's uh, the comic store owner, Patrick. So he is a background character. It's actually, funny enough, ties into my first stuff. Patrick is a real person. Mm -hmm. Patrick Arnold, shout out to Patrick. He is a, a frequent backer of my Kickstarters, and he backs the guest star tier. And I just so happened to figure, I was like, Oh, he could be the comic store owner, you know, mm -hmm. the, the comic store Eddie works at. Yeah, sure. Why not? And he's been around since the first issue, essentially, mm -hmm. you know, right? The first Kickstarter, he backed it and he's been around ever since. And um, he's become his own character. Mm -hmm. So, like, I honestly couldn't think of another person to be the comic store, uh, comic store owner besides Patrick. And just his personality in the scenes, I feel him yeah. as a as a real character in this story, like you said. And, and it, this applies to humans, right? You you are the main star of of your story. Mm -hmm. you, you are the star of your story. Everyone else is your background character. Yeah. And when Patrick is in scenes, I feel like that for him. Mm -hmm. You know, and and to the point where, like, I've seen it on TV shows where you know some events will happen, right? And then this character dies or mm -hmm. gets shot, right? And then the next episode, they sh they start the story from that character's point of view. So then that character is the main star of their own story. Mm -hmm. And then when you see them get shot, it it, it means more yeah. because you got to go through the day with them. So I do keep that in mind when I'm putting Patrick into stories and, and you know, when Ed writes it and, you know, just his body language when he's on the on the on the screen or in the panel and, you know, and how he's written, it's like, yes, he is his own person. He, he is doing what Patrick would do in this scene because he's living his life. He's not, he's not waiting to react to Eddie doing something or any other character that's in the, in the comic store with him. Mm -hmm. Patrick is living his life in, in his story. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, oh, fuck. Wait, what characters in Kadoja did you start off with? God, thank you, were... you so much, Scott. I swear to God. So, so if you rewind that audio, go ahead, say it. What characters yeah. did I start? So, with? what characters in your in Kadoja did you start off with? Like this character is completely a background character, but because of how they interacted with the characters in the story, it made you go, "I want to write this character a little bit more." How the fuck did you get in my head? 
because okay, rewind. I'm a wizard. <laughs> Re- <laughs> rewind it a little bit, okay? What you're gonna notice is when I'm starting to talk, I go, "Oh fuck!" And the "Oh fuck" was this beer is great. I haven't eaten much all day. I'm on my second one. I'm a dumb shit. Yeah, like I, this, we've been doing this long enough to where I can see. Oh, he he doesn't really know where to go from here. But, but, but I then, got him. but then you ask the exact question that that was the thought I had. I can't. I'm fucking amazed. Is this what like? Is this what podcasting does? Like three years of podcasting will do to you, or however long we've been doing. You're it. a goddamn genius. <laughs> so yes, there there are two characters. I swear to God, this was the thought I was preparing before. Uh, fucking North Coast prankster decided to just be like, I'm going to kick this right out of your fucking yeah, head. Yeah, number two. Yeah, yeah. Second um, bottle. Yeah, I mean, you make such a great point because Yancey was the first character. You know, what I tell a lot of people is that... So, Kadoja in so many ways is, a story, Yancey, is, is a story about Jennifer Cruz, right? But, but the most interesting character arc in Kadoja is Yancey's. Yancey, I think, in the second issue, maybe overall is she throws up. She throws up when something grisly happens in a giant monster fight. And look, you don't, I'm not giving away anything that's not until the first three volumes. And even if I am giving it away, I, I still encourage you to read it. Yancey is heading up special weapons on her own by the end of the third arc because Cruz is out doing crazy Cruz stuff. She sort of graduated to this you know, important position that kind of answers directly to the president. And she's also a bit of a rogue. So she's just going to do whatever the hell she wants. And Yancey is the one holding down special weapons. So yeah, Yancey started as this like interesting character that was sort of fun. And cause I needed a third person in the room or a fourth person in the room. And she ended up blossoming into something else. And then what, what's kind of cool is Roberts is, is that other character. Cause now special weapons is basically being run by Yancey and Roberts. Roberts was a character that we dropped into issue in the second arc because I needed a character to name the monsters, right? Mm. Like I put this huge amount of thought into naming the monsters and, and how the monsters get named and why, right? So, Hey, fun fact for Kadoja naming the monsters. They're named after death metal bands, right? So for those of you who know your death metal, every single Kadoja villain monster, with the exception of the serpent in the first arc, is named after a death metal band. And then it's like, well, wouldn't it be fun to have a character who loves death metal, who keeps getting asked to name the monsters? Because that's what happened. Right. Like, I think whoever it is goes like, Roberts, give me a name. And he's like, Cathonic. It's like, okay. Because <laughs> I think I even put a gag in there later where William says something like, Thonic? Because that's actually how it's pronounced. It's pronounced mm. Thonic. And it's like, no, no, no. C-H-T-H-O-N-I-K. And he's like, why would you spell it like that? You know? So anyway. Um but by the time we get through this third arc and into this fourth arc, you have Roberts, who is standing up as now the second in command as Yancey's running it. So, yeah, man. I mean, and that's that's a great example of how if you if you understand your characters, no matter how little comes out on the page, if you understand them, you might just have a future secondary or primary character in the making, which is really fun. Have you had something similar like that or no? I mean, the comic store owner is pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy. Okay, Um, yeah, pretty much. And then there's actually two characters. There, there is two more characters that have a role in Second Shift thirteen. So, uh, if you guys are out there and you read the first uh, trade paperback in issue two, I believe Eddie is talking to two young kids in the comic book store. Well, one of those kids has appeared in Second Shift, I believe, number nine. And then him and his buddy, they both appear in Second Shift 13. Mm. So they were just 
initially two kids that just were, happened to be at the comic store talking talking shop basically with Eddie about comics, talking nerd shit. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just like, all right, let's throw them in there. And then we we're like, hey, I want to do this other character. Maybe we can, I can use that one kid that was in that issue. Mm-hmm. And then so his character has become someone in the story. And he was initially just a background character. So that's yeah. been happening a lot with my characters. And, hey, uh, if you guys are out there and you're interested in backing Kickstarters, I got a guest star tier. So if you want to be a character in Second Shift, you can be. Yeah. And there might just be a chance that you become an ongoing character in the series. Yeah, and you, and you stand up and live and breathe and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, so um, so yeah, man, very, very fun. But um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of about all, all we really need to say. I mean, the note is the important thing, right? Make sure that your characters don't have to steal scenes, but they have to act of their own volition. So they're not just a stand in for the God author or a puppet that is here to further along whatever the other characters want to do. They have their own thoughts, they have their own ideas, and they have their own backstory that they're going to bring to everything. And if that thing happens to be a simple transaction or they're climbing on a bus just to fall off and die, okay, yeah, maybe maybe their backstory isn't that important. But then again, you never know. Yeah. And if you are artists out there, that means acting, background acting. Don't have your characters just standing around doing nothing in the backgrounds. Like, even though they're not important to the story, again, they are important to their own story. They're doing something. You know, if they're in a dental office, okay, they're just sitting there, they're reading, they're on their phone. But don't just have them sitting there doing nothing because... You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't mm-hmm. be sitting in a dentist office not doing shit. Yeah. You would be doing something to occupy yourself. You'd be reading a magazine on your phone. Maybe you brought something with you or reading a book. So make sure your background characters are doing acting, living out their lives on the page. Okay. Makes sense to me. Let's get to some bullshit, yeah? Sure. I have I have two bits of bullshit Okay. before we get into what's probably going to be a little bit of a basketball conversation, I feel Okay. I feel like it might. Um, so last weekend, or actually um, late last week, before last weekend, I went to Las Vegas. I went to see a concert. I went with my wife and some friends. The concert was Depeche Mode. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I went right. to see the Depeche Mode concert. And, uh, and the couple things that I want to bring up. So, un- I mean, I guess sort of neither here nor there. Depeche Mode, unfortunately... Look, it's it's a fine line for bands. Some band like some bands don't want to be jukeboxes of all their greatest hits, mm-hmm. and um, and therefore they want to really play a lot of new material for you. I personally think that there's a dividing line somewhere. Like if you do a tour and you just release a new album that you're really excited about, but like everybody hears for your fucking hits, yeah. My personal number is I wouldn't recommend you playing any more than four songs off off that new record. And ideally, they're like kind of good. <laughs> you yeah, know, hopefully they're your bangers. Hopefully they're bangers off the new record, right? So I found out this the hard way when I went to see Mastodon because Mastodon has all kinds of bangers. The, the the metal band Mastodon, they have all kinds of bangers. But and I mentioned this, and then somebody was like, "Dude, that's what Mastodon does every time they tour. They overplay shit off their new record." Mastodon mm. played seven songs off their new album the last time, okay. and they only played like one one 
that was sort of a banger, which is Blood and Thunder, which, like, if they didn't play Blood and Thunder, I think they would get fucking shot. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like that is, I mean, we're talking about, like, 400 million listens on Spotify. Like, play that fucking song. Right. You know? I, I think, like, look, I don't, I don't go to a lot of concerts, so, you know, take my opinion with a grain of salt. But uh, do it the way actors and directors do movies. One for you, one for me. Mm-hmm. If you desperately want to play your new shit, you got to do your hits. You you yeah. hit them with the hit, then you hit them with something the new shit. Ramp them down, right? You ramp them back up with the with the yeah. hit. Then you play the new shit. Yeah. So you know what? It's a give and take. Like yeah. I think if I went to a, a show, let's you know I have different musical tastes. If, we, right. if, if it was watching Weezer, right? right. Went to see I was Weezer. Say Blackpink. <laughs> I would listen to every single thing Blackpink did. Like, that was a bad choice on your part. Okay, okay. I would listen to every single new one. Um, but it, let's say it's Weezer, right? Yeah. Like, Weezer has, I think, six new albums mm. that I have listened to maybe once. Yeah. So, it, you, you gotta hit everything off of the Blue album. You're, yeah. You One for me, one for you. I'm okay with that. Because it's a nice, steady pace. Right. Okay? And then towards the end, give me three that I know. Right. Boom, boom, boom. We end the show that way. Right. I think right. I would be okay. Right. So, uh, first, a little stat boy thing that I am doing for myself. Blood and Thunder has 59 million listens on Far. Spotify. So, not 400 million, which I think I said. Beer. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. I mean, yeah. I'm surprised you, you fucking picked a number. Huh? Whatevs. Yeah, Whatever. Exactly. It's a fucking famous exactly. But, um, but what Depeche Mode did was they played six songs off their new album. And arguably one of them is good. Mm. Arguably one of them. But more importantly, and then what they did was, so this this was like my little like nerd, music nerd, musician pet peeve. I think they did about 23 songs, something like that. Okay. Song 18 was their final song of like the set. And it was Enjoy the Silence, which like, yes, please play that. Right. right. And then they came back and did, I think, a slower song and then three like utter bangers like like Personal Jesus, Never Let Me Down Again and something else. But I've had beer. Right. Oh, um, people are people. Maybe something like okay. that. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I can't fucking remember. Right. Sure. But, we No one else was there. Whatevs. Right. Those were them. Yeah. Yeah. Those were totally them. Um, from a mu- musical standpoint, what kind of bummed me out is that they took a lot of... Like, they actually didn't play stuff directly like the album, only oh. on the last five songs. And it's like, why yeah. didn't you do that kind of stuff earlier? Yeah. Instead Get of the just, crowd into it. Yeah, like, like just variate. You know, like, do some cool live band yeah, shit. Yeah, you know? you know, it's like... It's like how you make an album. Mm-hmm. Right? You want to start off hot. You want to start off heavy. And then you can start to bring it down after, like, two to three songs. You totally. can start coasting it downward all right yeah. get everyone a little bit of lull then you bring it's like a roller coaster baby you start off high you go high you go and then you drop them down drop them down exactly and then you bring them back up, up towards the end you right? lead with battery even yes. if you're not metallica you just lead with battery that's what you do i don't give a fuck what band you are you lead with battery by metallica right that's <laughs> yes, that's, right. that's what you do right. um but but this this i i it's weird because like i've been on this planet a long time and and i i made this realization while i was sitting through the 14th ballad that Depeche Mode was doing. Like, they didn't even choose crowd bumping kind of Johns, mm. right? Like, the last 30 minutes of their show was unbelievable, but unfortunately, the first hour and a half was a lot of sort of like self serving ballads. Mm. And it made me reach an important, like, knowing thing about myself, which is I think ballads suck in every contest. <laughs> I don't like ballads. I don't like ballads at all. Like, 
None. Like, mm. Nothing Else Matters by Metallica sucks. Oh, right? Okay. Like, it sucks. Ballads, they all suck, according to me. <laughs> like, I, I actually I, like that song. <laughs> I, I can't think of many. I mean, maybe I can think of, like, if I try hard, I can think of, like, four ballads I like. But even if I go through, like, my favorite bands, like Kiss, I don't like Beth. Mm, you know, right. Metallica, I don't like Nothing Else Matters. Depeche Mode, I don't like any of the slow songs. You know, so it's like, I always like that idea of, like, moving and grooving and that kind of thing. Okay. So. I thought it was an important like life realization that I'm like, yeah, because I, I started to check myself. I'm like, do I just not like these ballads because they're like Depeche Mode ballads or something? It's like, no, right. no, I, I hate them all. I hate all of them. <laughs> anyway, it's good, man. Hey, realizing yeah. at a, a 50 years old. Yeah, yeah, uh, I did it. You know, you, I made yeah, it. You, you realize I've won. <laughs> some people go their whole lives without examining themselves at all. Yeah, I'm just like hashtag fuck ballads, right? So, um, but I wanted to share one more thing, yeah. right, which I know you will appreciate. So... We went to uh, this really killer place for a dinner before the Depeche Mode show. It was called, I think... The funny thing about Vegas is that, like, they have all these celebrity chefs, but I don't know who the fuck they are. So it's just a human being's name in front of a restaurant. I'm like, I'm supposed to give a fuck about this, right? But I went to a restaurant called Todd English's Olives, I think it was called, in the artist... I think it's the Virgin John now, but it used to be the Hard Rock Hotel. Okay. It's whatever that hotel is. Okay. It was fantastic, dude. Yeah. It was a lot of like Italian food. That name actually sounds kind of familiar it to was me. So we do watch good. a lot of chef style shows. Yeah, so, Todd English. Yeah. Todd yeah, English so and the Hizzy. It yeah. sounds it sounds familiar. I was like, well, I know Gordon Ramsay. Like yeah, if it's Gordon yeah. Ramsay, we we all know who that is. Totally. Yeah. Totally. But, or like Emerald Lagasse or something like that, right? Like but so Todd English's olives was the shit. But more importantly So they just served olives. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, but they cut Stuffed them differently. Olives, there's the black olives, olive, olive the green pate, olives, olive right. mayonnaise, right. <laughs> olive ice cream, all made in olive oil. I love it all. <laughs> all of it all. I like it. Okay. Um, anyway, but the the cool thing was that I asked the bartender, or sorry, I asked our waiter about straight bourbon. Or maybe I didn't even ask him. I think I fucking walked over to the bar and I'm just mm. staring at the bourbon because I just I've been in a bourbon yeah, mood. I mean, I'm chugging beer now and I'm I'm definitely coming back. But there was just yeah, this... we, uh, we got some uh, Glenfiddich in there for you, man. I gotta I gotta drive somewhere after this. We gotta see it's your hotel. Yeah, that's true. Um, we'll have the Glenfiddich. We'll talk about this off the air. <laughs> this, is, this requires Hold heavy yeah. strategizing. We got to strategize off <laughs> we the air. Strategize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to strategize. I don't have to drive for hours. Right. Um, so. I'm standing there, like staring at the bar, and the bar and the waiter comes over and he's like, "What are you looking at?" I'm like, "I'm looking at the fucking single malt bourbon," and he's like, "So one that I've been drinking a lot recently is the Whistle Pig piggyback. I've heard six yeah. year Whistle Pig, yep, right. So so Whistle Pig is like the gold standard of bourbon." For people that aren't like too fancy pants, right? So like, like you know how for ten years everybody in a car commercial compared their shit to Toyota Camry, which basically just made you want to go buy a Toyota Camry, right? right? Like Whistle Pig is like that for bourbon. In fact, there are a couple bourbons out there. There is, I think it's called Weller. <laughs> they are the Toyota Camry of bourbon. They, they, but like they're yeah, they're more like the BMW. You know what I okay. mean? Like they're okay. they're what everybody compares themselves to in terms of bourbon. But the cool thing about Whistle Pig is. They make other bourbons in the exact same complex. So, Buffalo Trace. Yeah, I was, that was the one I was going to say. Yeah. Weller. I think it's called Weller Special Reserve. 
And um, and that's the one you had with your uh, co-worker. Yes, correct, correct, and uh, fucking amazing. Those things are now. I'm not as huge a fan of Buffalo Trace, but it's still super solid, right? And and you can get it anywhere. You can get it at Vons. You can get it at Target. You can get it fucking everywhere, man. So, dude, thirty bucks for a bottle. Okay, but um, but Whistle Pig. So he recommended the Whistle Pig and the piggyback six year, and I'm like, let's do it, dude. Dude, it was so good. Yeah, it was nice so good. It was so good. I got another one. And and like this was the cool thing about that restaurant too. Like, look, you're paying. This ain't it ain't cheap for a nice for a bourbon. But like since I just went to Scotland for whiskey, like you pay seven bucks for that shit. It is like a dram. That is mm. that is a little over one ounce. Okay. And when we went to Kentucky, I'm not gonna call them out, but we went to a place where it was like this I got a flight for like twenty bucks and it was this bitch ass amount and mm. i was like like rachel was like like can you even taste that yeah <laughs> like it was this tiny good. tiny little bit right? right so anyway this motherfucker was like a keith and scott lost kind of poor okay you know what i'm saying like i was like now that is a goddamn poor i don't care how much ice is in that i was feeling amazing right <laughs> like i was feeling amazing nice but we're not done we're not done because to know me is to know that i liked it so much that i was like can I buy this somewhere around here? Mm. So I look it up because this is what I do. I yeah. look up, I'm like, where can I get this locally? And uh, it, so by the way, for those of you out there that like your bourbon, this is out right now. Like it seems pretty easily readily available right now. If you like bourbon, I highly recommend you get this right now. What would because you give it? I, it's a fucking nine and a half, if not a ten. Oh shit! Yeah, man. I mean, a a a, a normal size bottle, which I think is seven hundred fifty mil, something like that. It's fifty bucks, but like, that's a good fifty dollars to spend, my friend. Yeah, you know, like that's that's some good shit. So, yeah. highly recommend it. But I'm sitting there looking, like, where can I get it? I'm like, I can get it right here. I can get it at Total Wine in Vegas, right? Oh, nice. <laughs> fucking, I'm like, let me think about it. I wake up the next morning. I'm like, yeah, I think I want to get this. Right, I do it, Scott. Liquor stores open at 8 a.m. in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I was like, they close? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Vegas is the greatest, right? I was like, liquor stores are open right now? It's 8 a.m. Like, right. dude, I live in California and the shit doesn't even open until 9 or 10. Dude, I said, it's okay, gonzo. So I have a story. This is back when I was wrestling, when I was first training to wrestle. And uh, my tag partner, he was, uh, I think I was picking him up, actually. And so I was like, okay, let me, we would, we kind of had our routine. We would have our like 7-Eleven snacks or whatever snacks we would bring with us, right? It was always beef jerky and uh, uh, like Gatorade or whatever, right? And so I go into a 7-Eleven. I walk to a 7-Eleven near my house. At the time I lived in Spring Valley, not in the best area. And so I walked to the 7-Eleven and the person in front of me. Spring Valley, Vegas? No, California. Oh, okay. Because I think there's a Spring Garden, Spring Valley, Spring Gardens, Houston. Oh, okay. Oh, I know that. Anyway, okay. Yeah, so uh, so I walked to the 7-Eleven, and the person in front of me, it is 7.45 in the morning. They are buying 240s and some baby's milk. Let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's fucking go. I was go. like, <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> this is what's happening. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. Hell yeah. Okay, wait a minute, though. That, that because I've had some beer... That reminds me, have I ever mentioned, I don't think I've mentioned it. I may have mentioned it to you, but maybe not on the air. Did I ever tell you about like the homeless dude that watched my car in Philadelphia the one time? I'm not sure. So I go to this show. I go to this show, whatever it was, probably a metal show or some shit like that, right? Like, oh, you know who it was? It was, it was Dragon Force. You remember Dragon Force? 
No. Anybody who has ever... So people out there who play Guitar Hero know exactly oh. what I'm talking about. Because okay. Dragon Forces through Fire and Flames is like the bonus song that you get when you win Guitar Hero and oh, okay. go to like the extra thing. So okay. it's like complete it's like seven and a half minutes of fast noodling ass guitar and to watch dragon force live is like insane anyway like so i i park there and you know like any concert venue you can park for like 30 bucks at the spot or at the time that was a shit ton of money that's like nothing now but um or you can go a couple blocks away right and uh, so i pulled into the slot and it was like 10 bucks i'm like cool 10 bucks gotta walk two blocks to dragon force but big fucking deal right yeah not big deal. pull in put my car in and there's like a wino homeless person whatever there and they're like hey man i'll watch your car for two bucks so of course anybody listening knows that we we have what we like to call a little bit of a conundrum right now right (laughs) because it's sort of it's sort of blood money right like it's sort of hush money like i i probably need to pay this man two dollars so he doesn't fuck your car up because he might be the one that breaks into my car right so i'm like okay my man like two bucks sounds good man like like watch this car and he's like if anybody touches your car i'll kill him <laughs> cheapest hat man in, like, cheapest hit man in, biz, in the business like, i was like all right man this motherfucker's gonna murder a guy who touches my car <laughs> i hope there was a body next to your car when you got back told him not to touch it <laughs> i warned him i warned him uh did you have any hoops you wanted to talk i mean we're getting oh, down to God, the end no, here man. man like okay so the Lakers just played the Clippers on a back-to-back, and they were getting murdered in the first half. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I don't need this. I don't yeah. need this in my life. I watched, I, just, I watched most of that game. I just watched them barely squeak by the Jazz, who they should have... The, the number 12 seed Jazz. Right. right. They should have killed them. And then Olenek buries a, a banked three with, like, 30 seconds left. And, and then so they had to go into overtime. And it was just like, okay, Lori Markinen. Jordan Clarkson, another one of their starters, was out. Mm-hmm. I was like, we should murder these guys, and LeBron and AD should not even set foot on the court in the second half. Mm-hmm. That is not what happened. Yeah. Because the following day, we would to have play. to play the Clippers. You had to play. Right. So it was just play. like, fuck, they have to play now. Yeah. They have to play in overtime. And I'm like, we're going to fucking lose this game. This yeah. is crazy. So anyway, we end up winning the game in overtime. Yeah. The next game... First half, LeBron has no legs, zero legs. AD was gone half of the first, you know, half of the first half. As AD does, he tends right. to take little checkouts. Like and he was trip. literally he's on like the bench. Dude, he's like the second. There are times when he reminds me of just old school Lamar Odom. Like, holy shit! Yeah, AD's played thirty-seven minutes tonight. Like, yeah. I barely noticed him. Right. Yeah, and so that's like, like he literally was on the bench though for like the second quarter. Yeah, he literally did not leave the bench, and I was yeah. like, what the fuck's going on? And so he, anyway, that was his first back-to-back in like four years yeah. or something like that. Yeah, right? so I was like, you know what? I don't need this in my life. I didn't watch it. But apparently LeBron had like the best second half he in history. Beast, dude. He was scored 30, 30 points yeah. in the second half and 80 did whatever he did. But it was just like, we, we, we ended up losing. But it was just like, yeah, I just, uh, I didn't need it. I didn't need it. You've got, you've got this, I mean, back-to-back or no back-to-back. You have this weird matchup problem with the Clippers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's really fucking strange. Yeah. And the fact that you have a few, dude, I'm sure you saw the highlights or watched some of it. Like Russ was in like 
fuck you mode in the first half. Dude, he didn't, he, he barely played the second half. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't have to, you know. But no, or, they, didn't, they didn't want him to because I, I yeah, watched the like, second quarter. Hey, the first quarter, hey, buddy, you sit the fuck down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I watched. I watched let the first Terrence half. Man, play for you. Yeah, is that yes, cool? <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Because he's steady and you're not. Because, uh, and and I was t- telling my Lakers chat this. In the first half, Russ hit two threes and like a mid range jumper. And I'm like, oh, he's feeling himself. I was like, that's perfect. Totally. That's perfect. When I was Let watching him... the Sixers-Lakers game, I was like, this is strangely good. Because yeah. he's probably going to do something stupid at the end of the game. 100%. And then so what happens is he gets he gets ahead of his skis. And then the second quarter, doing rush shit. The sh- the bad rush shit. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, there he is. There he is. And then, then they pulled him. They didn't play yeah. him the rest of the game. Yeah. And, and, and so it's just like they've learned to manage him um, the way we couldn't. Yeah. And that's fine. Get <laughs> nice him, get job. The, get the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, get the fuck out. What was that so, line in Major League? Like, great catch, Maze. You ever, don't ever fucking do it again. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, it was just one of those games where it was just like, eh. But, you know, listening to um, uh, some of the pundits on TV, one guy had a great point. He goes, I, I totally, I feel even better about the Lakers now. He goes, because they, they lost by yeah. seven points. LeBron LeBron was able to go into fuck you mode himself in the mm-hmm. second half, and he's 38 years old. And yeah. AD hasn't played a back-to-back in, like, to your point, in four years. Yeah. And, you know, he had, what, like a 19 and 11 or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah. So it wasn't terrible, but wasn't good. Yeah. But it's just like, look, imagine them in the playoffs where they don't have back-to-backs. They get to rest, and they're just, like, focusing on one employment and strategize. Like, I wrote one team and strategize. I am very much looking forward to what could be a first-round series of uh, Lakers versus Denver. Or Lakers versus Memphis. I think I would rather face the Nuggets. I think we match up better with the Nuggets. I think AD yeah. will punish uh, Jokic. And I think the Grizzlies are a little bit worse of a matchup. Because they're all very young. Yeah. They're like in their prime. Yeah. Triple and, J's like AD, but like younger. Right. He gets injured just as much. But yeah. He's like younger. So yeah. So that's the thing is like, I would rather face the Nuggets than the yeah. Grizzlies. Yeah. Because um, they're, because they, because they have a history of early playoff exits. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah you and, can't and trust the, them. The West feels, the West is weird. Yeah. Because when you look, when, when you close your eyes and you say, who are, who do I think? a knowledgeable basketball fan are the three best teams in the West. And it's like, I'll tell you right now, Clippers, Lakers, Golden State, right? Right. Clippers are towards the, the bottom. Yeah. Clippers the, are the, the six. Yeah. The Lakers are like the seven and Golden State is, is like five. the five or something yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. Well, who are the top three teams? Well, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento. Sacramento and it's, it's like, like, you trust any of them motherfuckers? I don't. I don't. Yeah. Now, now in the East, I think it's completely the reverse, right? Like, right. like the top three teams in the East. I, the I think three. I think the three best teams in the in the East are the three best teams in the NBA. Unfortunately, the Sixers are the third best of those three teams. Right. Um, but uh, but you, you got the Bucks over the Celtics. Well, the Bucks are going to be the one. So, so the the weird thing you about though. The, who would I rather face? Yeah, no, yeah. Who do you think? Like, regardless of Bucks being the one, who do you think is the best team in the league? Oh, I think the Bucks are the best team okay. in the league. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. I think with Chris Middleton, with Chris Middleton, Bucks ain't fucking. Is around. he coming to form? He's coming he's, back to form, dude. They got some stupid record with him. I think he sat out last night and they still won because it was like the Bulls oh, okay. or something. But like, yeah. yeah, man, Chris Middleton's fine. I think. I think he dinged a knee, maybe something like that. Mm. Um. And and the the seeds in the East are locked one through five right now. So like the fucking Sixers have to play Boston in the second round. You know if That's we their win Achilles the first, heel. well, except except we beat them the other night. It was delightful. Wasn't Brown Brown didn't play? He didn't. I don't care. 
It'll you get, take the win. And beat at 53 or 52. 52, yeah. So I... Yeah, I uh, look, I kind of want Embiid to win MVP. Yeah, so, he should. So I can have this thing to hang this year on. Because I enjoyed the, you know... Yeah. I, I didn't necessarily enjoy watching the Sixers because they're kind of slow and methodical. We have this weird thing where, like, if P.J. Tucker makes threes, we are winning the title. If P.J. Tucker misses threes, we are losing in the first round. Like, it, because <laughs> yeah. because that... But that's, like, the way yeah, the NBA a, works. It, it boils down to your fourth best fucking player. Yeah. You know, like, I, yeah. I know I can count on Embiid. The one thing that I'm thrilled about for the first time in years, I hope I don't fucking jinx this, but I don't Harding? think... No, everybody's healthy. Oh. Okay. Like, like Embiid is not beat to shit. And, and my, my guess is that they're just going to rest people as necessary right now. I mean, we right. haven't checked yeah. the game. They're playing Miami like right now, but like they don't need to play anybody. They're the three. Yeah. It's just that simple. Yeah. Right. They don't have shit to play for. So, so yeah, man, I've, uh, I mean, I've enjoyed Embiid's season. Um, How's I, Harden? I, uh, Harden's a beast, dude. Hard, okay, Harden is, Harden is as good. Harden is the best version of Harden you could expect if you, if you employed reason. You know okay. what I mean? Like he's not MVP Harden. He he's hasn't been Houston, but Harden. he's this is the best Harden in three years. Okay, for sure. Oh, that's good for sure. Yeah. So he looks pretty good. It's but it's going to come down to like it's going to come down to Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey and PJ PJ with those yeah. fucking those, corner threes. You know, yeah, it's the three guy. Um, like us. That's it's like Beasley. Beasley is mm-hmm. so inconsistent, and it's just like some days he's crushing it. It's just like fuck, this dude can't miss. And then yeah. other days, like man, this can't make. This guy can't make he shit. Can't make a fucking thing. Yeah, yeah he could well, throw it in the ocean. As as a as a latent, you know, look, the, I, I'm not going to unlove the Clippers after having season tickets for five years. They're they're definitely my number two team, but it's like a distant two. Because like, here's how I can tell. Here's how I can tell that it's just sort of like they're fun to watch and they're a fun team for me in the West. Because yeah. it's like when Russ does stupid Russ shit, I'm like, hey, yeah, Russ is doing stupid <laughs> Russ shit. You know, yeah, that's how you can tell. Right. Because right, if right, I really yeah. like the Clippers, I'd be like, Russ, stop, stop you motherfucker, yeah, like yeah, you're. Yeah. Be fucking nuts, you know. Yeah. Like, like if he was on the Sixers, he I'd lose my mind. But on the I Clippers, felt, like I just find it sort of funny and entertaining. Yeah, you know? like I felt dirty the other day because I was rooting for the Warriors to lose. I was like, okay, we need the Warriors to lose to the Pelicans or to the Thunder, and then we need to win tonight, and then that'll put us in the five. Mm-hmm. And then of course the Warriors won, and then we won, so we're stuck tied with the sixth. Yeah. And then the next day, that's when we play the Clippers. Yeah, the so yeah, so it, but like I felt gross about it. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, so okay, it was I mean, just like, it's that secondary team interest that's kind of fun. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. So and for me, like the Kings are kind of like my tertiary team because I just. I went to. I was. I was just talking to somebody from Sacramento today, and it's like, man, do I love the way Sacramento rallies around the Kings? They're the only team in town, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Sacramento loves the Kings, and that. And I went to a game. Yeah, I think like I mentioned this. I scheduled, dude. I scheduled a trip to Sacramento specifically so I could watch them. Did I tell you about this? It was like years ago. Mm, I specifically I scheduled a trip to Sacramento so that I could catch a Kings game. And then at that game, right? Like I enjoyed it. They lost. I think they oh they played the Bucks. Okay. So they but yeah. they they like got down to the final possession of the game against okay. the Bucks. Yeah, made it and, a game. Uh, but the crazy thing was that at halftime, do you know who the performer was? It was Big Boy. It was Big Boy. Oh, and you did tell me Browns. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you did tell me Fuck that. Fuck yeah, dude! It was amazing. I was like, holy shit! And then they did <laughs> yeah. Kryptonite, and like I'm just fucking standing there like <laughs> screaming Kryptonite, which has been like. I played that for my kids when they were like nine. Right. You know? yeah. So anyway, but good times, good <laughs> times. Cool, right? All right, I think we did. I think yeah, we, we did all it. the way through. World's best cup of coffee. World's best cup of coffee. So you can find me um, first thing, KeithRFoster.com. That's my site. 
I, I like social media. I think we all like social media. But what I like more than social media is if you go to KeithRFoster.com and you, you scroll down to the bottom and you sign up for my mailing list. Because right around the time this comes out, I'm probably going to be dropping my first email, kind of like the new improved email on the mailing list. And I'm going to have exclusive content on that mailing list. I'm going to have, I have this backup story from animals that is not going to make it to print in time for issue one. But I'm going to release it a couple pages at a time through my newsletter. So if you want some exclusive shit, sign up for my newsletter. I'm also going to do things like movie reviews and stuff like that and really have some fun with it. As well as mention the books that I have coming up. So yeah, man, check that out. That's my newsletter. It's Again, you can just sign up for it on KeithRFoster.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Keith underscore Invader. And you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. You can pick up my books at AccidentalAliens.com, Second Shift, Minimum Wage Workers During the Day, Superheroes by Night, Wanders Melisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs vs. Humans, all at AccidentalAliens.com. Yeah, and uh, hey, five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It helps. We love it. You love it. I would argue you love giving it. Or maybe you're not sure. Let's say you're not sure. You're like, am I really going to love (laughs) giving the Baking Comics podcast five stars? I'm telling you right now, you're going to fucking love it. You're going to feel so good as a human being (laughs) that you are throwing five stars our way. It's going to make you, it's going to fill you with joy. It's going to fill the world with joy. And you're throwing five stars to your boys. Like, what could be better? I agree with all those things. Hit us up at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. If there's anything uh, we've talked about on the podcast briefly and you want to know more about, any questions, comments, concerns, anything uh, that we've said that you just don't agree with, let us know. Makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. We've had some beer, but there was definitely a question we asked earlier, and we hope you send a response that way. We don't remember what it is. Uh, we have no fucking idea what that but question was. But we definitely was. asked something from you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So make it happen. Yay, yay. We're out.